I'm here today with John Pavlovitz. John's new book, If God is Love, Don't Be a Jerk, Finding a Faith That Makes Us Better Humans, just released this week from WJK Books. I've read it and I can tell you that it's excellent. You'll be seeing excerpts from it appearing soon on Compassionate Christianity. John is a blogger, author, and pastor based in North Carolina, and his blog, Stuff That Needs to Be Said, recently surpassed 100 million views. I can't even imagine 100 million views (laughs) on anything. (laughs) His previous books include A Bigger Table, Hope and the Other Superpowers, and Low. John also has been a keynote speaker at Writing for Your Life, and John's words were the inspiration for naming Compassionate Christianity in the first place. So thank you again for that, John. John, it's so oh, wonderful I, to have you here. I mean, congratulations on your book, and uh, thanks so much for being with us. Oh, it's a joy to be with you, Brian, and so good to see you again. Looking forward to our time together today. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, before we talk about the book, I mean, we have to talk about this, you know, upcoming surgery, major surgery that you've got, you know, coming up. And, you know, you've, you've got a ton of people praying for you and wishing you all the best. But, you know, yeah. just share with folks a little bit about where all that stands. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It was mo- only about six or seven weeks ago, I think. And, and we, I had had COVID. The whole family had breakthrough cases <clears throat> of COVID and wasn't feeling great after a few weeks. And so I went to my doctor. He did some blood work, and the hormone levels were all out of whack. And he said, "Well, there it could be this one particular kind of uh, tumor in the pituitary at the base of the brain." So he had me do an MRI <clears throat> from the brain, and when they found that. Uh, tumor. And then it was a matter of doing more blood work to find out if it needed to be removed. And unfortunately, it was the kind that does need to be removed. So uh, in a couple of days from today, um, we'll have surgery and, um, and then we'll kind of see what happens. But um, we're feeling I'm feeling great physically, and really supported and loved and the readers and followers virtual community has been extraordinary. Well, I know there's been an outpouring of support, and which I'm not surprised yeah. about, but I'm very appreciative of it myself, you know, and just so yeah. glad to see that for you. Um, yeah. You know, it's well, just wonderful. You know, it does show you, too. It reminds me of, you know, I tell people the reciprocal part of virtual community because it's not just about me putting out content, that there really is a relational aspect to this. And, and you know that's true, but then you have these moments where, and I call that I've been I've been getting a living eulogy for a, cu- a couple of weeks now, which is really, <laughs> I, I highly recommend that for anyone to be able to understand, you know, I hope you can get it without the tumor, but um, to have people let you know what it means to have you in their lives, it's just a gift. Yeah, yeah, no, that's really great. I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. Uh, so, um, so let's talk about books. And before we get into yeah. the new book, I mean, you know, for those folks who are not familiar, maybe with some of your previous ones, can you talk about them? Sure. The journey has been, I guess, around seven years ago, I uh, was a pastor in the local church and uh, was really outspoken and started to realize I was probably going to be a an authentic pastor or an employed pastor at this particular congregation. <laughs> and so I pressed into honesty and that happened. I was, I was um, relieved from my duties at that church and had the choice of you know, what, what I was going to do. And I just kept writing the blog that I've been writing for a few years and was fortunate that a blog post went viral called If I Have Gay Children and got the offer to write a book. And, you know, I can remember being this pub- progressive Christian publisher calls and says, you know, we've seen this blog post. We'd love to turn it into a book. Would you want to do a book proposal for us? I said, sure. 
and we arranged for a date. I hung up the phone and Googled how to do a book proposal because I had no idea. <laughs> and, um, and then went through that process. And the short story of that is that they passed on that because they they thought I was going to be saying something that I just that I wasn't going to say <clears throat> about the LGBTQ community. So they passed on it and several Christian publishers did, but uh, WJK, um, they, they said, we're, we're, we want to publish this book. And as it is without caveat or condition, we're going to do it unapologetically. And that became a bigger table, which was the first book. And so now we're on the fifth book. And this one is also with uh, WJK because in many ways it's a progression of the ideas in that book. Wow. <laughs> That's very cool. I mean, thank goodness for them taking, you know, at that point in time was a leap, right? A leap of faith. Yeah, I can remember a really high-profile Christian publishing company's uh, editor was having a conversation with me um, about the book and what I was hoping to say, and she was really enthusiastic, and finally she said, I, I really believe this book needs to be published, but we can't be the ones to publish it, which was the, the sad part, but it was a moment for me to decide, did I want to stay authentic and, and wait rather than be partially honest and get this opportunity. And I was fortunate that I was able to do that. So let's go back to the blog too. I mean, first of all, the title of, you know, the blog stuff that needs to be said is number one, it's a great title. And number two, it's so personifies what you do. Uh, yeah. Well, it, it, it could be, you know, a lot of people say, is, are you sure that's stuff that needs to be said? But in my, you know, in the spirit when, with, with which I started it was I was a local church pastor realizing I needed to speak more explicitly and clearly into the world outside of my local congregation. And that slowly, because the blog started as really just for parents in our megachurch, parents of teenagers and, and youth pastors um, who were kind of following along and then slowly reached beyond that group of people. Well, I mean, you know, it's, you know, I've spoken numerous times. I mean, you, you are doing exactly that stuff that needs to be said that most of us are not willing to say or not skilled enough to say well. And uh, no, seriously, I mean, that, that well, you know, Brian, I've been, I was given a gift with that termination because I was once I was untethered from the expectation uh, of being a local church pastor and being beholden to a particular congregation, which is a beautiful thing, I was able to speak in a way that I wouldn't have been otherwise. So I'm really sensitive to the fact that many people would say the same exact things, but they have limitations of their environment. And I respect that. And so my words can often be a conversation starter for them, or they can give them permission to ask questions. And so that's what I try to do for people. Isn't it incredibly bizarre how life works, right? Where you have these things like this that happen, yeah. right? That when it happens, you think, holy cow, this is like, where's my life going to go from here, right? Yeah. And look what the lemonade that's coming out of the lemons, right? I mean, you know, what God has turned this into for you is just amazing. It is. And you look back and, you know, you talk about those numbers of the blog reads. And I've, I've always been cognizant of, of the fact that those numbers aren't, uh, just about my my writing and the skill of the writing or whatever it's it's really a confirmation that there are millions of people asking similar questions feeling similar similar prompts and having those tensions and so really it's just people who have felt seen and heard and known 
And that's the exciting thing because you realize I, I started writing in the hopes that I wasn't alone. And this is confirmation of the fact that I'm not. And I'm hoping that when people come to the blog, they also experience that. Yes, yes, absolutely. It, 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 I mean, it certainly it is, is for me. <laughs> it is, but it, you know, it is when you talk about unexpected, because often people will say, would you like to do a workshop on how to create this, you know, giant social media empire? And I said, you know, there's no way I could. It simply was, <laughs> you know, it simply was about getting up every day and trying to just clarify why I do what I do, what matters to me, and to do what's in front of me with the greatest care and wisdom I can. And that's over time, a few years, that's what has happened. So it's, it's been amazing. Mm-hmm. So let's get to the new book. Yeah. If God is love. Don't be a jerk. Finding a faith that makes us better humans. Really great title. And sometimes thank you. So how did this happen? What was the motivation behind uh, that book? Yeah. Well, the, the book actually started in early 2020 and I, I approached some publishers. Sorry, we're getting a dog attack here. Um, if you can hear that. No problem. Um, Early 2020, we um, I started thinking about the book that I would write next, and it was similar to the one that people will read when they receive this book, but it was a little bit more about diagnosing this spirituality, this toxic spirituality, this, this form of religion that is damaging. And yet it was a little um, distanced, and it, and it wasn't as emotional as it turned out to be, because I started writing in February of 2020, and then as the weeks were unfolding and I was there writing every day, you, there was this little news story about this you know, virus in, in China. And I kept my head down, kept writing, but I'd pay attention to the news. And this got larger and the news got more dire and more alarming. And I'm still keeping my head down, trying to write on task because you, you tell a publisher, this is the book I'm going to write you. That's the agreement that you make. And I was doing that. And then the summer, we come into the summer of 2020 and I'm watching the the Black Lives Matter protests and counter protests and seeing what's happening with the election approaching. And I'm looking at all this dysfunction and this hatred, and I'm realizing that so much of it seems to be coming from professed Christians who were white. And I decided I can't write the book that I was going to write any longer. I couldn't speak to all this stuff tangentially or, you know, just drop in a few stories here because everything was just so massive. So I said to the publisher, I don't think I can write this book. And they said, well, what book could you write? Which, again, just that the, the gift of that. And I spent a few weeks just thinking about it. And it really became this book, which is much more a journal, a real-time journal of my experience of the pandemic and of the, you know, the protests and the election through the lens of my spirituality. And it became much more visceral. And I think... Um, so that, that's what I did. So I was able to write that all during p- the pandemic. So everything that's been happening, it's it's there. In the, and it's not just there underneath. It's explicitly discussed. Wow. So what, what would you say, like, are the main themes of the book and kind of how is it organized? It's, you know, the, the early part of the book is getting to the heart of the, the diagnosis and which is this this lack of empathy that seems to characterize so much organized religion, especially Christianity in America, and then asking, why is that? We know that it exists. We know that 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 sort of um, antithetical cruelty is there, something that's very different from the life and teachings of Jesus, but it's hard to figure out why. And then, okay, if we know some of the why, then then what? What do we do with all this? If we're people of faith, if we're not religious people, how do we figure out how to do this individually and then collectively. And so the book lays out some really, I think, important 
topics uh, uh, on abortion or prayer or the existence of hell, just stuff that I think people of faith, we get lazy and we just say these things and we recite these prayers or we post these memes and we don't examine why we believe what we believe and then see if maybe our God is too small. And so that's, there's a lot of that running through the book, this upsizing of God and this constantly asking what is the yield of my life and my religion? Is it more compassion or not? Is it greater diversity or not? Because if it's not, what's the point? Mm-hmm. So beyond just what we can do as individuals, you know, to help deal with, you know, what you and I clearly believe is a massive problem within our country. Mm-hmm. What kind of collective action do you recommend that people think about? You know, the the collective what is so difficult, Brian, but I think, you know, people ask me, why don't we have any progressive Franklin Grahams or Jerry Falwells? And most of that is because progressive progressive spirituality doesn't seek those things. It doesn't want to consolidate power and have central, you know, a group of people who are the focus. And because of that, I think it's really difficult. And by our nature, we're more generally speaking, willing to listen to other people's stories and tolerate their stories when those stories are very different from our own. And it makes us, I think, lack urgency. And it's difficult to focus because me as a progressive person of faith, I have so much in common with a humanist or an agnostic or a, 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 you know, a moderate um, Christian or Muslim. And all of these people, we have to find a way to collectively express the deep love for humanity that binds us. And that's the challenge. Um, interfaith work is going to be really powerful, but it's hard to, to have something that, that resonates nationally because collaboration is never going to trend, really, right? It's never going to be loud. It's never going to make news. I think religion makes news for all the wrong reasons. Meanwhile, there's beautiful redemptive stuff happening that we're just not able to let people know exists because if we did, they probably want to take part in it. So it's going to be about those visible, tangible expressions. Mm. Well, as you know, I mean, I recently self-published a book called How to Heal Our Divides, right? And it yeah. tries to get at this very issue, you know, yeah. and, and it, I view, you know, unfortunately, our culture is similar as you do, just so fragmented. Right. You know, people don't know about all these good things that are going on in various places. So, you know, to the extent that we can kind of lift up the good news, so to speak, as opposed to the nightly news, you know, and, and yeah. all the wrong things, as you said, that religion gets known for. Um, right. Maybe that's a path. It is. And, you know, I remember I tell the story in the book, I think, being in a, a Q&A and a, a gentleman said to me, John, there are two news feeds in my life. There is one news feed. It's up here. It's Facebook. It's uh, Twitter. It's the news and he said, if I only look at that news feed, that's only going to give me discord and, and negative and angry. He said, but there's a different, another news feed that's in the, you know, down on the ground in my community and people's names and faces I know who are doing beautiful work. And he said, if I spend some time in that news feed, I'm going to be encouraged. And so I think the big and distant are always going to intimidate us, but the small and close are going to be attainable. And that's where this book wants you to begin in the small and close. Hmm. Hmm. So what are your hopes for the book? What, you know, if there was one thing that you want people to uh, most take away from it, what would it be? I, th- I think, Brian, I, I don't want 
I don't need people to agree with me theologically or politically when they finish the book, but I hope something in the, in the questions I ask stimulates something in them or encourages them so that they, whether they're religious or not, they, they are in a place of greater empathy when they finish, that they are moving to from where they are to a more expansive view of the world and asking, do people feel loved in my presence? Simply do, is there greater uh, equity around my life? And if not, what do I need to do differently to, to make sure that happens? Hmm. Hmm. Really cool. So, you know, in addition to, you know, the books that you write and your blog and everything, you know, you're very active on social media. Yeah. And, you know, because you're what I would say leading edge and being outspoken on various issues, yeah. um, you're attacked a lot, right? Attacked by people who are threatened, you know, yeah. in various ways or disagree in various ways with what you're having to say. Right. And, and that, you know, affects myself and other people to a lesser extent too. So I'd love to hear kind of your strategy, so to speak, on how you deal with that it's it's funny i you know I've, i had to develop really quickly an understanding that social media everyone on social media is operating with incomplete information so I, you know I, I went to an event with a group of people who are followers of mine and read the books and and i said you think you know me because you've you've read what i've written but you would only if you read everything i ever wrote, you would only know 100% of what I choose to share with the world. <laughs> and so I said, everyone's operating with selective, you know, um, information. And so I understand that people see me that way. They see a, a, blog, a title of a blog or a post on social media, and they think they can summarize me. And, and I never take that personally. And I think the other thing, I, I take the praise and the condemnation, and I, I hold them loosely. Because ultimately, I can't work for either of them. I can't be moved by either of them. I have to say, what do I hope to do in this day? Did I, did I choose those words wisely? And what is my heart as I wrote those words or spoke those words? And over and over, you do that. You become <clears throat> impervious to criticism or elevated you know, um, ego. So I can imagine probably in the early stages, you would engage a fair amount in some of these online discussions. Do you do that anymore? Or, I mean, is it just too much? Yeah, I do it sparingly, but it was almost like being a pastor of a church of 25 people and then jumping to a hundred or then jumping to 500. It's impossible to have that same relational availability. And so I'll pick and choose my spots. But the other reason I, I tend not to is because my coming into one of those threads, my voice has such weight that it can, I can easily, if people agree with me, they're going to surround me and, 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 you know, damage another person, even just because they're trying to um, agree with me. And so really, I try, to, I try to let the writing speak for itself and do the work that it's going to do and start the conversations it's going to start. And you almost have to, really, you know, pull away from that expectation on yourself. Yeah, no, I can, can totally see that. I mean, unfortunately, yeah. right? I mean, it would be nice yeah. to right. have deep, meaningful conversations where that's possible um, right not that it's always possible but you know um, yeah just being able to filter out that alone you know is a difficult thing yeah and I you know I still do what you know pastoral care visits or some what some people would call you know uh, non-licensed counseling where I'm just listening to people so if people are emailing me or calling me we do go through those my wife and I and I do try to if I see someone in a place of real urgency 
I will reach out and, and have those conversations. But obviously, you know, you can only do two or three of those a day because you will get overwhelmed by that and everything else. So I'm still a pastor at heart. And I try to still do pastoral things as I'm a social media, or a, you know, figure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, I know you're just in the midst of this book launch and, you know, yeah. with all the medical things going on, it's hard to think too far into the future, but, you know, I'm sure you've got plenty of other book ideas um, in you, you know, is there anything you can talk about or uh, is it too mm-hmm. early? No, no, you know, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe a couple of months ago, I would have told you this is the last book, not just not because of the surgery. I didn't even know about that, but because of what this book took out of me. And as you know, the writing for the blog is a very different experience. And I, I love the immediacy of the blog that I get up every day and I've got eight, nine hundred words and I can have this arc and then be finished with that thought. The book, we're having to string together something over months that is coherent and, um, you know, that flows well is a real challenge. And especially this book, because I stopped and just, re, you know, pivoted midstream, I thought, I can't do this again. But, of course, you get your second wind and you see people <laughs> responding. Um, so, you know, I think I'm leaning into grief because grief and fear are always at the heart of what I do, the grief and fear that prevent us from loving other people well, which is in this book. But probably I'll write um, explicitly and solely on on maybe grief for one of the next projects. Isn't it amazing how some of these really fundamental emotions drive so many things, right? Yeah. You know, fear being, you know, a leader of that, greed being, yep. you know, and it's like these are things that have been, human flaws since the beginning of time, right? I mean, right. We, we still cannot we still haven't solved them. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing about it too, Ryan, writing the work that I do, you, you realize, I wish people could understand, but when people feel like you're an, you're an adversary or you're an enemy, they don't realize that I'm actually advocating for them as well, because that fear is nonpartisan and it's, you know, interfaith. It goes, it transcends everything. And um, life is so difficult on its own at on its best days. And when I write, I'm trying to make a world where life is less difficult, not more so. And that's the irony of all this work that we do. Well, I think you're successful at it. I really do. And, you know, you've helped a ton of people. Um, and I think you've changed a ton of people's minds, you know, influenced them positively, which, you know, um, I'm sure there's some people that have become more entrenched maybe because <laughs> that's right. what they think, right? I mean, and that's unavoidable if you're going to be, you know, taking a stand on something controversial. But, you know, yeah. I think you've done it in a way that's had an incredibly positive uh, impact. Thank you. I, and, and for me, it's all, you know, like I said earlier, it's all been a surprise and you get up every day and I say, let me just use this day and this platform as wisely as I can. And, and I think you know, that's the story for all of us. It's the incremental way that we keep trying to grow. And the, you know, the part of it is doing this publicly, people will look at you and say, oh, you wrote this and now you're saying this. And I try to leave all that stuff up because I tell them I want to argue with my former self because that means that I'm growing and I want you to be able to do that too. Isn't it amazing how people will reject that concept? Mm. You know, that we can learn. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Hello. <laughs> and that's the, and you know, part of it is the trap, even for me, of being a progressive liberal Christian. It's really easy to look at people who believe the things that I used to believe and, and see myself as somehow more evolved than they are. 
and but I have to realize that I and the people that I often write to, they have progressed. They've had those incremental moments of learning or revelation. And so they didn't get it all in one day. And we want people to change right now completely. But the truth is that writing that you're talking about, you know, reaching that many people, it's not just reaching them. It is their their neighbors who are on their Facebook page. It's their, you know, their friends on Twitter. And then the ripples of that, it's going to reach people. And that work, those words are going to do work. And we may not see the results of it, but that's what happens with all of us. We get up every day, we have an exchange with someone, and we're not going to see what happens because of that always. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, such is human uh, nature, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. So I know everybody can go to johnpavlovitz.com and find out about the book and everything else that you're doing. Um, anything else uh, that you want to point people to? No, you know, once people can spell my name, they can pretty much reach <laughs> me on all social media platforms. There are not a lot of John Pavlovitz's around. And, uh, and that's just for me, uh, as we talked, Brian, this is just a, a joy to be doing this work and to be going through something like this publicly too. That's always the way I've done this is to share my story in real time and invite people to find some of their story in it. And uh, it's just great to be able to do it. So I, and I thank you for, for the work that you're doing, man. Well, congratulations on the new book and, you know, many prayers and many, you know, good wishes you. for, you know, health and recovery after the surgery. I'm sure it'll go really well. You'll make it go really well, right? I mean, <laughs> as yeah, best so, as it possibly can. Yeah, someone said to me, John, you're going to do fine. And I said, I'll do fine, but I'm worried about the doctor. So we'll see. <laughs> the two of us, it's a, it's a you know, partnership, but everything's going to be good. Well, please keep us posted. There'll be a lot of Thank people you. waiting to, you know, hear, uh, you know, how you're doing. Sounds good, my friend. Thank you so much for the time. Thank you. All right. Peace.